So today we want to discuss some of, um, started with Hilchot Pesach, today we're going to start with Siman Tafnun Aleph and Tafnun Bet, which is kashering uh, utensils and kinim uh, and appliances for Pesach. Uh, so we're going to start today with a little bit of um, the method, the different methods of kashering something, and then today we'll go into a the actual appliances like the ovens and dishwashers and Bazat Hashem at a later shiur uh, we will go into the actual utensils of the kitchen like uh, you know mixers and plates and dishes and pots and pans and things like that so there are different ways for a food or kli to obtain the taste of chametz and become prohibited on Pesach so one is if it was heated I mean, the, the food reached the, the temperature of Yad Saladibo. And the prohibition of, of Chametz and Pesach, it's even in a cliche ni. It's assumed to affect the, the transfer of flavor of this taste. Normally, when we say something is a cliche ni, it doesn't have the power to cook anything. So, in terms of um, issues in, in the kitchen, sometimes we can be more mikhail with things if, you know, if it was a cliche ni that was involved and not the actual pan. Um, that has to be dealt with though on a case-by-case basis. I'm not going to give a general clout for um, for kitchens at the moment. But in terms of Pesach, even a cliche ni is considered to give off um, and transfer uh, chametz. Liquid that sits in a utensil for 24 hours consecutively, even if it's cold, transfers flavor. And now, that means it transfers flavor from the, if it's water, like let's say water or whatever, transfers from the utensil into the water, or from, let's say there's beer or whiskey sitting in the utensil, and it sat there for 24 hours, so it transferred from the whiskey or beer into the utensil. Could be with whiskey, though, we would actually possibly would do so in half an hour. It's a machlokit if whiskey is considered a devar harif, like garlic or onions, which would do so much, much quicker. Um, so I, I wouldn't, uh, I would recommend being mahmir with whiskey if you didn't have it in a glass utensil um, if for whatever reason whiskey was sitting in a flask or something and you really wanted to use this flask on Pesach um, I would recommend koshering the flask simply because it could be that whiskey is a devar harif and the third thing as you said is a devar harif so onions, garlic, ginger, radishes um, when they're cut with a knife if the knife was let's say used to cut bread um, and then was um, was then used to cut onions or garlic and then was transferred to something else. So the knife would be a chametz knife. Those garlic and onions would be chametz. They would transfer to anything else. Um, so that would also be problematic. And once the chametz has been absorbed into utensil, you cannot use the utensil on Pesach, even for cold foods, unless it's been pro- properly koshered. Now, if the uh, kli wasn't koshered and was accidentally used on Pesach, um, there are sometimes ways around it. If that's the case, um, I recommend <coughs> calling me because Ashkenazim are going to paskin every single time that it's absolutely usher. Um, for Sephardim, there are ways around it. Um, and chametz utensils one doesn't want to use for Pesach should be put away once they're clean from all chametz. Meaning, if you have pots and pans that have chametz on them, so we normally sell things for Pesach, and we'll get into um, selling chametz and, and checking for chametz in a different shiur. Um, 
But in terms of the utensils, if you have a utensil that's blatantly covered in dough or whatever, that has to be cleaned off. Mm-hmm. It's only really when you sell it, you, you're selling the, the tam. But if you have chametz mamish, um, that becomes problematic. There's a lot of poskim that hold that you can't sell chametz mamish. There are those that can. If you want to rely on that, that, that's perfectly fine. But even still, it's better to, to clean the items as best you can. Um, and then these items that you didn't kosher for Pesach should be kept locked in a closet. Um, and so that way people don't go in and, and inadvertently use them, which we say would be problematic. Um, and again, sold with the other chametz. Um, even if a utensil wasn't used for 12 months, if it's chametz, it still can't be used on Pesach. If there is a chacham tzvi that we like to be mitzaref with certain heirloom items. If you have heirloom china that from your grandmother who didn't keep kosher and she hasn't used it in 20 years, so there are other ways to add the um, add this 12 months item. Where are you? To what is it? Passover? We're waiting for you. Yeah. So we have other ways to add this 12 month item to other. Um, to other snifim to add to, to to allow the use of these heirloom heirloom china or even even not for Pesach um, like I had a case uh, myself where I have my grandmother's silverware it's actual silver and it's the silver she got when she got engaged to my grandfather and this it's you know it's like 60 70 years old so <laughs> um, I didn't want to ruin it, and <coughs> I cleaned everything, and I polished it, and I got all the rust off and all the gunk and everything else, and I had a question about kashering it. So the rabbi told me, ideally you should, ideally you should do agalah and everything, just to make sure. Like, but if there's a piece you're afraid of ruining because, you know, it, it looks weak or whatever, so that one, just clean it well. Um, you know, if you can clean it, you know, clean it well, get everything off, run it in hot water, do a couple other things you said, but you could rely on using it because of this 12-month thing. On Pesach, we don't say this, though. Um, again, if one of these pots or utensils was used, call me. Um, and when we kosher items, the ruling is based on kibolo kahpoto. So the way that the item became chametz, or in terms of anything, the way that it became taref, is the way you get out the the forbidden food. So if it's a pan and it was used very uh, with very little oil and it was used to fry steaks or was on it, so that would be it would need libun because there was a direct um, direct contact. If, however, it was a pot mostly used with water or something like the fried in oil, something like that. So then Hagalah would suffice for that because, um, again, it was mostly used with water. And the rule follows the, the, the way it's mostly used. It doesn't mean that one time I pan fried something and most of the time I use water or oil in the pot, so I have to do libun. No. The general rule follows if most of the time I use the pot for... With, with liquids, so I kosher it with liquid. If I use it most of the time, straight contact between the food and the pot, so then it has to be done with libun. Um, with what? Libun, direct fire. Two ways of doing it, um, but we'll start with agala. Agala is the um, second most lenient. Eurotically be shown is the most lenient way of doing things, and that's really only used for um, sinks and countertops. 
a Hagalah is used to to kasha kinin that absorbed a, a prohibitive flavor, and a liquid that was done, you know, in a you know it was a, a meat spoon that went into a, a dairy soup, or uh, vice versa, or it was uh, you know it was a, a soup made with with chametz, or then the barley soup, and then you use the spoon. You want to use the spoon on Pesach, so it has to be done. You have to be kasha with hagalah. And Haggadah should be performed in utensils that has not been used within 24 hours. In Allahic terms, it's called not ben yomo. Um, 24 hours. 24 hours. So once it was used, let's say it was used at 5 p.m. last night. So after 5 p.m. tonight, so then you could kosher the item. Technically, there are also there are technically ways to do it even sooner. Um, it's not recommended because a lot of times we get into mix-ups. Um, so we, we don't normally want to do that. The reason for that is because the, the taste in the, for Svarani Mubaz and the taste that's inside the utensil becomes pagum, becomes, um, it, it's only going to make something worse after 24 hours. <coughs> um, so now there's three ways something can become uh, that would need Hagalah. And that's if, if the food was, if the utensil was a clear shown. So it was a pot. It was a pot I made barley soup in. That for sure needs Hagalah. Um, and the way Hagalah is performed is you take a bigger pot, boil water in it. Um, ideally, someone should also have a pot specifically for this purpose and not use one of their other mm. kitchen pots for this. They should have, like I have myself, this big giant, looks like a stock pot. It says Ner Mitzvah and it has a, a big giant koshering pot I bought for, for Pesach. Um, and it fits, I think, almost anything in, in my kitchen besides, uh, besides the oven. Um, I think it fits almost anything in there. But um, so you put the item, you let the, bring the water to a boil in the pot, put the item in the boiling water. If the water stops boiling when the kli the is put in, so let it come back to a boil. And as soon as it's boiling, pull the item out and rush, put it under hot water. Or sorry, put it under cold water, not hot water. The reason is when the water is hot, <coughs> it draw. Allahakbi, the the taste of isur comes out, is drawn out of the item. And when you pull it out of the water, some of that hot water is still there with the forbidden taste. So and because the the is now hot, it's ready to absorb again. So if you run it under cold water, just like uh, you know when when people. When people get hot and they start sweating, when they get cold, their pores tend to tighten up. So too with, with, with utensils. Everything, when it gets warmer, it expands somewhat. When it gets colder, it, it, it shrinks. So the cold, or the, the hot fork, or whatever it was I koshered, run it under cold water, so that way the, the like, pores of the, of the metal w- will shrink, and they won't absorb the, the flavor from the hot water as we wash it as we uh, wash off the hot water with cold water. An iroi klirishon is something that was poured from a klirishon. So, um, that a lot of times this applies to a, uh, a surface. You know, I, I have a, a pot of soup and it spills onto the, the kitchen counter or it spills into the sink. So that would be iroi klirishon and you can kasha with iroi klirishon um, those items. Uh, a sink, it's very hard to do Hagalah. There are ways to do it. Um, there's an interesting group in Lakewood that actually comes. That they cl- put a stopper in the sink and put a machine over the sink 
and fill the whole sink with water and then bring the sink to a boil. So that way the sink itself becomes a clearishon and kashas the whole sink and then they flush it and that way you're... How about boiling water from Cancun? So that would would work, that's irui clearishon. That also works for the sink because the sink is, would be the cliche and it's only getting hit by water at most from irui clearishon. So, um... uh, You could do it with a torch and the torch would work for anything but a lot of things you'll break with the torch. A lot of things get broken if you use a torch. Um, so the, the sink, um, our counter-talk can be done with the Eroic Clearishon, we'll explain that in a second. Um, now what kind of material are we talking about? Metal. I mean, today, uh, like glass, for example, it doesn't absorb. Glass doesn't absorb okay, so what at all. all. those new materials that they have, that maybe uh, aluminum and all this, we, uh, scientifically they've done studies that it doesn't absorb anything. So we can consider it as glass or not? No, any metal, aluminum is treated like metal because it, it is a yeah, metal. Yeah, but, that that is but there is new kind of metals that they do today that don't absorb anything. I understand, but according to the eyes of Allah, they do. Even glass, according to the, the, the eyes of the Ashkenazim, glass so absorbs. Yeah, and even the Ran, who we tend to pass in like in this regard, the Ran says glass absorbs a little bit, but it's not enough to be considered that it's actually bolea. So it's halakhically treated as nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the other items we'll get to after. Um, after the big, big McLovin comes with the uh, Pyrex class. Pyrex. Which some say it, it, it absorbs, but it doesn't. All the scientists say uh, the right. whole treatment so of Pyrex glasses to make it not, in not general, withstand the higher temperatures. In general, Svaripo scheme hold Pyrex, Duralex, anything like that is treated just like glass. Chamitzion um, Abashaul is mahmir with it and says it should Hagala should be done. Um, Hagala for glass, if one wants to do that, would be done differently. Instead of running under cold water, which would shatter the glass, which would make the kashring of it purposeless, um, you just do the Hagala, pull it out, and let it cool off, and then rinse it. Um, but uh, according to Khamavadia and most of the other Swari scheme, um, Windex. <laughs> Windex and, and the paper towel, and you're good. Um, what? So, uh, so, yeah, glass would also technically work for that, for, and you could use it both ways. Um, but we'll get to glass items <laughs> when we get to utensils, not uh, appliances. Um, that's my medium. That's ten o'clock. Meaning, coming out. It's not to do it. No. That's how it is. All right. So, um, so I did. So, with if you're shown, like we said, with a sink or utensil or something like that, the way to use it to kasha is the water is brought to a boil, and the utensil being kasha should be clean and dry, and then the Utensil being cautious shouldn't have been used for 24 hours, and the water has to be poured directly onto the utensil, not from a distance. It has to be poured like you know an inch or so away, not from way up top. And has to cu- the water has to hit every portion of the sink or of the the counter directly. So what I normally do with the sink or the counter is start with um, start with like the you know, the, the, the drain, um, do the drain first, then do the bottom, clean it off, then do one of the sides, dry it off, do another side, dry off the whole thing, make sure each 
part is hit directly with the water. And the same thing would happen with the sink. You take like, let's say a square foot of the, the countertop, um, do that square foot, dry it off, do another square foot or so. It's more logical to do it top down because it's, the uh, flow is down. Could do that too. Uh, either, either way you, you want to do it. Um, uh, yeah, the torch is probably better, but again, the torch will probably destroy a lot of things you want to kosher. It's dumb, but we don't want to destroy things. We're not in the. We're only in the interest of destroying chametz, not um, the utensil itself. Now, libun is something that is fire or direct heat. Anything that touched, or you know, a pan that was used to bake bread in the oven, so that pan would be chametz and would need libun. Uh, libun gomor is where you basically take a blowtorch and uh, heat it so that it becomes so hot that it glows white hot, or you take a straw. And if you take like a piece of straw and it, you touch the item, the straw would burst into flames at the, the slightest touch. Um, that, for most of our utensils, would completely and utterly destroy them if we got them to that hot. Libun uh, it's not considered right? No, it's essentially the same way, it's, it's the same effect as agala. Um, and with that, with Libunkal, you heat the surface of the utensil until a piece of straw or paper on the opposite side of the surface would be singed, would like develop a little char. Um, but Libunkamor would be, would light on fire. Um, so now let's go um, into the appliances. So we'll start with countertops. Um, we have to consider several things at the countertop. One is that countertops come into contact with hot foods and liquids. Mm -hmm. um, they often spill from soups or from cholent or from this or that. Um, and sometimes they end up getting placed directly on the counter. So at most, however, they are irui kli and the hot foods themselves are klisheni. The food itself is not considered a kli mm -hmm. Ever. As far as I know. Um, Okay, the marshal <laughs> wants to say that a dover gush that's no longer on the fire is a cleavage shown. Um, and accordingly, we don't paskin like this, Maharshal. Um, now, since at worst we have an irui cleavage shown, the food itself is a cliche um the countertop would be permitted to be kosher with irui cleavage shown. However, we have lots of different types of countertops. We have granite and marble and metal and wood and, you know, porcelain, formica, whatever it is. And it's kind of hard to set a general rule for every countertop. Um, the most suggested and simplest way of coshing the countertops is clean them and cover them. Um, and this would include also the backsplash of the counter, um, that little lip on the counter, you know, like the extra tile, whatever it is, before it hits the wall. A lot of times, food splashes off the counter and onto that, or whatever it is. Um, so that should also be cleaned and covered. If one wants to just pour boiling water again over the entire counter, making sure the water hits every spot on the counter. And that's, you know, that's you, only for marble. I mean, that's only for granite countertops. No, you could technically do it on formica and, and anything. Also? You could do it. Like wood, no? So no, you could technically do it on on anything. However. Even still, if you wanted want to do that, you'd have to clean it first. And even still, it would be better to cover it. Cover with tin foil. Cover with tin foil or contact paper. Or they have these, like, um, plastic, 
you know boards that are yeah, like you know like a, a yeah no, and you just no, put it like you can make these with plastic it's like a quarter inch thick you can just line the counter with it. I know, I know people that take an extra... And you can cut them. You can cut oh, these right plastic now. pieces to the size of the counter. So you can make it like for the countertop and save it for next Pesach if you want it. But, 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 but it's up to watch the, the, the side that's, that's contact with the countertop. That's, it's not a problem because it's cold? No, no, no. Like you don't mark the side, no? No, okay. So you, I mean, you're going to put tape or something there like to hold it down so you'll know which side is which. You can mark this side up whatever you're, or this side down, whatever you want. Um, so that's countertops, ovens. Um, so ovens become problematic because ovens we use for everything. Ovens we use to bake bread, cookies, cakes. Ovens become chametz gomor, um, and we can't do hagala on ovens, and it wouldn't help anyway because there's no <coughs> real water medium in there. The oven is, you know, it, there's like basically direct contact. So how do we do with ovens? Ovens should be cleaned completely and not used for 24 hours before kashing the oven. And afterward, one should turn it on to its highest heat uh, for about an hour. If the highest heat is about 550, an hour is good. If the highest heat is somewhere in the range of 450, you're probably going to want to do something in terms of hour and a half. Um, simply because it's not that hot. And Ideally, throughout the year, someone shouldn't use their oven, especially if it's, it's a lower heat oven, like 450, they shouldn't really use their oven above 375, um, simply because if you have food coming in at 450, it's going to be a lot harder to kosher it at 450. Um, but if it's used at a lower temperature, so koshering at a higher temperature will help. Um, if it's a self-cleaning oven, then that's the greatest thing on the planet because you just hit the self-clean button and let it do its thing. You don't have to clean it. You could if you want. Um, probably won't hurt, um, but you can just let it do its thing. Yes, it will probably ruin the racks, and the racks will need, to, you know, do need to be cautioned as well. But the self-clean is your best bet because self-cleaning ovens typically get te temperatures in the uh, you why know closer. Messes up the racks inside. Yeah, it? It, it it turns the racks. The, the yeah, it turns the paint off and turns them kind of. Gross looking, but um, yeah. So the self-clean oven, what it does is it gets to temperatures somewhere normally between 800 and 1,000 degrees, um, and it burns everything in the oven, and you get a bunch of you get a pile of ash at the bottom of the oven, which is yeah, you just vacuum it out, sweep it out, whatever it is, and the uh, the oven's good. Um, an oven with self-cleaning has the same din as libun gamor, which will kosher anything. So if you have things like grates that you want, or like uh, if you have a gas range, you have grates that you also need to kosher. What I did last year, we had an oven. I took the grates, I cleaned them, I threw them in my self-cleaning oven, and I said, okay, you know, they're co they're kosher and good. Now, um, if there's there's a fan in the oven. The fan, too, also needs to be kosher for Pesach, but it's kind of difficult to reach without taking the oven apart. Are you, are you, are you talking about the fan that, that cools it down? No, no, not the cooling. There's like the turbo. The there's some fans have like a turbo mode or whatever it is. It's like, uh, it blows hot air. So the fan would also need to be kosher at this point. Oh, but but, but since it doesn't get as hot... The convection, the convection, convection oven. Yeah, the convection oven. So if the f since the fan's difficult to clean, and it normally doesn't get as hot as the rest of the oven, um, you can spray it with cleaning spray and before you, you know, and clean it before you kosher the oven, and as you kosher the oven, the fan's good. Um, 
Most of us need our ovens for Pesach, so these are the guidelines for kashing them. If you have a different oven you could use for Pesach, um, that's probably better since cleaning ovens is very difficult. Um, one of the things also that doesn't mention in, in this safer about cleaning ovens is that it's not just clean it with Windex or Lysol and Zehu. Any of the, like, you sometimes things spill in the oven, you get these black spots that caked on the bottom. Those should, should be removed as well. So you have to get easy off um, and like st something like that, um, steel wool and try and get it off. If after easy off and leaving it sit and d doing everything else, it's still, you get most of it off, but a little bit doesn't come off because it's just so baked into there. Okay, fine, that's one thing. But if the oven was kosher without cleaning it and trying to get those black things off, the oven's not kosher for Pesach. Um, a toaster oven. Toaster ovens that have been used with chametz shouldn't be used. Uh, performing libun will destroy the oven, and therefore just forget about it, put the toaster oven away. Uh, stove tops. The grates um, should be cleaned and covered with aluminum foil or hagala. Or if you have an oven and you can, you want to clean the grate and the grate comes off, it's not electric, it's just like a gas grate. Um, like the stove top where you know, there's nothing, connect, no, no electric connecting to it, stick it in the oven, kosher it that way, and you're good. The burner, um, if it's gas, should be cleaned, turned on for a few minutes to burn off any food residue, um, and turn it up on high. And it doesn't require libuna galas since it never really comes in contact or direct contact with food. Um, the drip pans should also be cleaned thoroughly and should put one of those foil inserts or wrap the drip pan in foil. Pesach and the knob should be cleaned but don't need to be covered. Um, because you don't really cook with the knobs of the oven. The electric stovetops are a little different than gas, and they're cleaned by um, cleaning the burners thoroughly and then turning them on to the highest heat setting until they glow and leave them there for about, leave them glowing for about 10 minutes and then turn them off. Um, sinks, as we said, are generally not a clearly shown. Um, you're not normally cooking in the sink, so anything that hits the sink is already heroically shown or cliche knee, and therefore it's not problematic. So the sink should be cleaned thoroughly and not used for 24 hours. Um, and the cold water faucet can be used though. You just can't use the hot water. Um, and ideally the warm water shouldn't be used either. Bleach or some other cleaning agent should be put into the sink drain since it's difficult to get down in there and, and clean it, especially if you have a garbage disposal in the sink. Same thing, pour some bleach down there. They also make these packets. I don't remember who makes them. A lot of times they come with a dishwasher cleaner, um, you know, the little square bottle of dishwasher cleaner that's used to clean the dishwasher, not the items in it. Um, these are the packets you throw in the sink. Uh, you turn the water on and then turn the garbage disposal on and it like foams up and, uh, and it, you know, it, it makes everything pagum. So you can do that too. Then wa boiling water is poured into the sink, making sure to hit every area of the sink. Um, and you should do each area of the sink separately. So the bottom of the sink should be one, then each of the sides separately. Um, the faucet should also be poured with boiling water. Um, once the whole sink is done, one of the best ways to do the faucet is while you're pouring boiling water on the outside of the faucet, turn the faucet on high. In this way, you have hot water coming out of the faucet. Well, you have hot water going on top of the faucet, so it's like it's getting kosher from both yeah. sides. Um, and if there's a filter or anything in the faucet, change the filter. Um, if someone's in New York City where they have the bugs and stuff in the water, so you put water filters in the actual sink. Um, change the filter, 
Um, some of them have built-in filters. You just clean it out and zehu. Uh, you can also clean the. You can kasha the the spritzer on the side of the the um, on the side of the sink as well in the same way. You don't have to go through the trouble of doing the hose. Just do the actual item. Pour the, the, cool yeah, pour hot water. water on the spritzer and you're done. Um, yeah, the rest will be on the on the on the recording. So if it's difficult to kosher the sink like this, so it still has to be cleaned, pour bleach down, get rid of everything, and use a plastic insert in the sink with like a rack on top of it. Um, and if one wants to do this without koshering it, you have to make sure it doesn't clog the sink with hot and fill it with hot water when washing the dishes, because then you get into all kinds of cautious problems because of things down the bottom. Um, ideally, even with the sink as kosher like this, if you have um, washing racks or something, they're better anyway, especially if you only have one sink and use it for both meat and dairy. Um, you just avoid, avoid a million problems this way. Um, barbecues, if you have a barbecue grill. So they're very, 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 very difficult to kosher um, and sort of not worth it. So a barbecue that runs on coals has to be filled to the top with coals Wow. And and light them on, light the coals on fire, and clean the barbecue. This is after the barbecue's already been kind of cleaned out. Um, but if not, because you're using coals and it's direct fire and it's going to get very very hot that way, so that would be fine. And you just let the coals burn until they're done. What about torch? A torch, um, you could probably also do that. A barbecue that runs on gas. Should be turned on to full heat, left for an hour again after it's cleaned. An electric barbecue cannot be kosher, so we're not, can't touch it. How about the ones that are um, on propane? propane? Propane is the same as gas. So you turn it on, you clean it, um, put on the highest heat for, uh, for an hour. Yeah, because those get to like 800 degrees. Yeah, if you put it on the highest heat for an hour and clean it, you know, just get the gunk out so it'll burn everything off and you should be okay. Um, and if you should probably buy new grates for the grill. Most grates can't withstand an hour of, um, you know, 800 degree heat. Um, and they'll probably get damaged or destroyed. Uh, not to mention grates, they get a bunch, they get, you know, grimy and there's all kinds of stuff on them. So it's just better to clean, get rid of them. Anyway, uh, the best thing to do actually is just get a brand new grill for Pesach. Yeah. Um, Getting you know, the small cheap one. Yeah. yeah, you get one of the small cheap ones. You can keep it in storage or whatever for Pesach. Uh, it's the best thing. You don't have to change the propane tank. If you have a half full propane tank from your government's grill, you can use it with the, re with the Pesach grill. It's not a problem. <laughs> so, um, now, it, how, with this grill, if he's sure that no bread or no chametz of any kind ever touched the grill. There was no breadcrumbs mixed into the, the ground beef or whatever it was. So then you could technically use it for Pesach. Ideally, still should clean it and kosher or whatever. But technically, um, if you're absolutely one million percent, you know, sure that there was only ever meat on the grill and nothing that is kosher, you know, Pesach sensitive, um, then you technically could use it. I don't recommend doing, relying on that simply because there's so many things in, you know, preservatives and hot dogs and, and different things that are kosher sensitive that it's just not worth it. Just kosher the grill or get a cheap $100 charbroil for Pesach and be done with it. Um, tables and high chairs. If you use a tablecloth, 
So the table, just clean it. Um, if you don't use a tablecloth, then clean the table thoroughly and pour hot water on it. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, ideally. Um, if you're afraid of damaging the table, like you have a wood, if you have a wooden table, right? If you have a wood table or an older table, you're afraid of damaging it. So then you can cover the table with something thick. Um, you know, keep it on for Pesach, and you're good. Um, again, if you use a tablecloth all the time, then just clean the table with, you know, pine saw or Windex, whatever it is, and you're done. Um, tablecloths can also, um, you can throw those in the wash. Um, ideally on hot with detergent, um, and if not, then you, you're afraid of ruining it. Or it says like you know, don't only cold water, or whatever. So with detergent, um, and you're good. Um, a high chair should be cleaned, the tray covered in plastic, and even if you're going to cover it, you should pour boiling water on the tray, just like you would with the sink or the countertop. The fridge and freezer, cleaned thoroughly, all shelves and bins removed and washed. Um, and if covering the shelves will affect the efficiency of the air circulation, then you don't have to cover them, but you should place a plate or something under a pot before placing it in the fridge if it's still hot. Meaning if I have something cold or something, you can put it directly in the fridge, it's not a problem, but if the pot's hot because there's condensation and stuff in the fridge, you don't want to trafe up something. So clean it and then put a plate or something under the pot or wait till the pot cools down. Don't just stick a hot pot in the fridge, which is just bad, you know, use of a fridge anyway. You don't want to put something hot in the fridge regardless um, because you end up ruining what's in the pot. I think also for food-wise, it's... Uh, it's yeah, food-wise, it's not... It's get the yeah, yeah it, it's not healthy, um, okay. the cloud. So... Shelves and cabinets, same thing. Uh, clean them. Um, but we have to cover them with... Like you don't technically have to cover them with tinfoil or plastic or anything else. Um, you can clean it, wipe it down, make even sure there's nothing there. It was a drawer or something like that. Yeah, whatever. Just clean it. Clean it, vacuum it out. There's no there's no bishul there. Yeah, okay, so don't be promised that they cook anything. There's no cooking there. If you had, you know, a bag of pretzels in the drawer, like, okay, so vacuum it up. It's not a, also, not a big deal. Also, with the fridge, we don't have to put tinfoil in the fridge and cover all the glass. No, no, no. You don't have to do that with the fridge. Um, if you want to put, you know, a covering in the fridge and it's not going to affect how the air moves in the fridge, so you can. Um, but again, that you only need to do that if you're going to be putting hot things directly in the fridge, yeah. which is a stupid idea anyway. Um, a microwave oven, don't even try it. Get a new microwave for Pesach. In terms of costing it from meat to dairy or dairy to meat, there is a way to do it, but even that is very bedeavad. And it's not so pushy that it even works because you have to get the you don't hit the fan. It's just uh, it's yeah. not. It's cheap. Yeah, it's all it's just not a good. Yeah, trafe also is a problem. So again, just get a new microwave for Pesach. Get a cheap one. You know, get a microwave for forty bucks and be done with it. Um, and if you really, really, really need to clean your microwave for Pesach, come see me. Um, a dishwasher. Every crevice of the dishwasher needs to be cleaned. So you get your, uh, your Lysol, whatever it is. You can use, probably, I guess you could use Lysol wipes if you don't want to spray it. But wipe down every single surface of the dishwasher. That includes the trays, the, the racks, everything in there. Wipe it down. Clean out the filter. Um, put in a ton of, uh, uh, put in, what I would recommend is fill up the, the soap dispenser with soap. And 
get a couple of those uh, dishwasher cleaning pods, whatever they are, and, uh, and put them in also, and run it on its highest cycle. Typically, uh, dishwashers have a sanitize cycle, which is they kill everything inside the dishwasher that might possibly be living and growing. Um, use that cycle. It's typically the hottest. Um, and set it for whatever. The, the sanitize is typically your longest cycle also, so there's nothing that's going to be left plummets in there. And even if it is, it's going to be so gross, there's no point in doing anything with it. Um, so, if, if, and if, you if have you to... Plastic trays, right? You need plastic trays. Um, we also possibly, like, you can do Hagala on plastic. So... Um, but we'll get to that in, uh, the next year. Um, and then you have to run this, the dishwasher while it's empty. You can't have items in the dishwasher because then we get to other kashrits and plummets problems. Uh, Shabbat plata. If food was never put directly on the plata, meaning bread, cake, whatever, then you can cover it or clean it do eroically reshone and cover it with a couple layers of aluminum foil um, and then you could put your matzah directly on the hot plate if you wanted if you put bread on the hot plate good luck get a piece of hot plate um, because yeah um, and that's basically everything in the kitchen um, I have a question if we um, use a hot plate in the air can we cover it with tin foil no, you. If you never put the bread or something on it, then no. Usually, like we we put tin foil no matter what on it, but like you never know. But even if we cover with new tin foil, still shouldn't still shouldn't do it. Um, if you're if you use tin foil throughout the year, yeah. So the same thing with the black. If you use tin foil on the black throughout the year, then then take it off, clean it, eroically reshone, and then put two more layers of tin foil on top of it when you're done. But if you put stuff directly on the plata, no, yeah, it's very complicated, just, and you can get it, yeah, yeah. The best thing to do is get one of those like Israeli platas that they're not necessarily the safest things. I would put it on a timer and have it turn off every eight hours for like an hour. Um, the, one, the, one, the one you plug into the wall you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one of those platas, the, the Israeli ones that have no fail safe if they start to catch fire. Um, so they're not really meant to stay on, especially for like a three-day yom tov. So ideally, one of those should be hooked up to a timer, um, and have it turn off for like an hour every every so often. Um, but then you could you, but you could use that. Um, and that that's everything else. We talk. We think we covered shelves, drawers, every, every other item in the kitchen. I know platter because you cannot turn it up more than, but what about the blech? Let's say I, I use it only on low, can I put it and use it on high, for example? Oh, is it a kosher on high? Yeah. Um, not really, because the, the blech isn't, the blech's not really clearly shown. So, um, I don't think the blech would, would, would work. I don't think koshering it really would work. Again, you have to clean it. The heroic clearly shown would work. It would be the same thing either way. Um, I mean, I guess if you had a blech and you wanted to kosher it in your oven, clean it. Oh, like self-clean. Yeah, if you had like a self-cleaning oven, you could take the blech and stick it in there. The problem is a lot of times it's going to ruin the blech wow. because it's going to be so hot. Um, 
so I, I, I don't recommend doing it. Um, a lot of things with Pesach, it's just better to invest in Pesach-specific items. Um, and because you're not using them that often, they won't go bad as quickly, so the investment will last for a while because you're only using it eight days a year. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, if you can't get a Pesach kitchen or you know a, a Pesach oven or an apartment or you know have room for it, that, that's one thing. I mean, you know, perfectly find it to kosher ovens and things like that. But in terms of uh, you know just koshering it when you know when that's available, you, you, again we allow it. You know, you want two kitchens, whatever it is. Um, but there's just certain things like the barbecue or a toaster or a microwave, um, the blech also. It's just better to get a Pesach-specific one and, and keep it that way. Um, and B'zat Hashem, we will start, um, we'll have a quick review next shiur of um, the different methods of koshering. And then we'll go into um, all the other items we have in the house, baby bottles and blenders and um, cups and plates and pots and pans and everything else. Zat um, Hashem cover all of those, um, and Zat Hashem will be able to have Chag Kasheva Sameach. As a rabbi once told me, we say Chag Kasheva Sameach for Pesach, but really we should say Chag Kasheva Sameach for Purim. Everyone Sameach and Purim, so it comes second, but it should be Kasher. We shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't go around and do something stupid on Pesach. People are so worried about being kosher that we lose the Simcha. So on Pesach, really we should have a Chag Sameach Kasher should be Sameach first, and we, sh- shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't go crazy with these things. Pesach is not spring cleaning. And if someone starts cleaning for Pesach three months before Pesach and goes crazy about it, that's not the, the time ve'ikar of Pesach. Pesach is zman is, gulunotin. Uh, we, we, were, we, we were freed in Pesach. We became you know, the Jewish people. We, we became Hashem's children, and we went out of avdut. And we shouldn't make ourselves slaves just to, to to get through it. We shouldn't resent the holiday because there are many ways to do things and there, there are ways that we don't have to go as crazy with Pesach. And, you know, e- each person, you know, uh, should should kosher the kitchen the way, as long as it's kosher, the way they see fit. If they want to go more, they can do more. They want to follow the Ikar Alakha, they follow the Ikar Alakha. But you don't have to go and make yourself crazy and, and resent the Chagim just because there, there's something to kosher. Um, so again, if there's any questions, please ask me if I can help in any way. Um, let me know. Um, and B'zat Hashem, we'll have a chag sameach v'kasher. Amen v'amen.